NerdJock the Podcast. All right, welcome to this episode of NerdJock the Podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Richard. Hi, how's it going? Richard, hey. a.k.a. Ricky. Yep. <laughs> I'm not sure how much you listen to podcasts, but everyone gets a nickname. and <laughs> I've had that one. I'm trying to grow out of it, but it keeps on coming back, I guess. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. So... Uh, this is kind of a fun podcast. We're not super close friends, but Jeff, who's on this podcast all the time, is a close friend of both of ours. So we're definitely acquaintances, friends. We see each other from time to time. Yeah. And a while ago, like, I don't know, six months ago-ish? Yeah, about six months. Uh, we were at the same wedding, and you had mentioned you would listened to a little bit of the podcast, and you said, hey, we should do one on punk music or emo music or whatever. And I was like, I love that idea. So... It's been a while, and I texted you yesterday, and I was like, let's make it happen, so here we are. Now, I really enjoy the topic of music in general, but this is actually only my second music-based podcast. I did one on top Weezer songs, and it was right after I saw Weezer live in Vancouver, and it was, it was actually one of my favorite podcasts that I recorded. So this one is totally like going to take us right down memory lane. Going to talk about all the music that we listened to when we were teenagers. Oh, it's going to be a fun time. I've been been listening to a, a lot of old music lately. Just just getting, getting into, just thought, thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I need to listen to uh, high school music again. Totally. And I still listen to like a, a little bit of it. Like I still have a good number of albums, you know, like on my iPhone that I would have listened to as a teenager. But uh, obviously punk music's kind of dead in some ways and we'll we'll get to that a little bit on the podcast and obviously I have other genres of music that I'm interested in now but you know at the time it was it was all about different types of punk music. So I started doing some research in preparation for this podcast. Not that I had to do a lot of research into my favorite albums because I kind of already know what those were, but I did a little bit of research into the history of punk music. And a lot of it I already knew, but some of it I wanted to clarify and write down details and stuff so we can chat about it. So obviously we know, I guess I would assume that most listeners know a decent amount about kind of the history of rock and roll and kind of how that came up through the 50s and 60s. But we don't really have any punk music until the 70s. So probably the most influential punk band of all time was uh, Ramones. Their first album came out in 1976. They're from New York City. Um, Across the Pond, we have the Sex Pistols coming out with their first album the year after that. Across the Pond specifically being the UK, London-based band. You know, another really famous London-based punk band that actually had an album out that same year as the Sex Pistols is The Clash. But when I say I like punk music, I'm not really referring to this like original 70s punk. I don't know about you. I used to listen to the Sex Pistols and the, the Clash now and again trying to when I was like, oh, I really love punk, and I wanted to be that guy who knew everything, but they weren't always—they weren't my favorite. There wasn't the genre I was really into, but I enjoyed it. I, I completely agree. Like, I really respect um, what it did for music, but it's not, you know, exactly what I was into. Kind of a couple other like pretty early origins punk bands are the Misfits, first album in 1982 from New Jersey, and Bad Religion from Los Angeles, all, also 1982. Bad Religion has been actually one of my favorite bands growing up when I was really young because my brother listened to them, so I've always been able to hear them. And I've actually seen them live twice, and they've always been around. That's awesome. They've been a, they always do a good show. That's what I like. If they can do a good show, they'll always be a good band to me. Yeah, that's cool. I think that, yeah, out of those five that 
we've already read off, that's probably the one that I also listen to the most. Another one that might fit under that category is social distortion, you know, kind of that same kind of genre and, and era of punk music. From there, we actually see kind of punk laying the foundations for a bunch of other genres, right? Like these punk bands that we're talking about, this kind of existed before like alternative rock was really a genre altogether. And then, you know, by the time we were really into punk music in the early 2000s, it's almost like punk music was like a subgenre of alternative rock. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting how that works. I think that one of the big kind of genres that came off of, of punk rock um, was grunge. And you could argue that it was just a genre that came off of kind of mainstream rock as well. But I think in the late 80s, Soundgarden and Nirvana really paved the way for some more modern. Yeah, for sure. More I, modern punk bands to come about. I think it's Nirvana is the thing that's changed punk to alternative. They are the ones that made it punk more of a subgenre than anything. I, I Yeah, I completely agree because I feel like the punk bands that we were in, we were into probably had more in common with those, you know, Seattle-based grunge bands that I just mentioned than kind of those original punk bands of the 70s and 80s. And that really led to, at least in my mind, there's kind of two punk bands that really took, I guess, 90s punk kind of to the mainstream, and that's Offspray and Green Day. And I think without a doubt, well, there might be one band in contention with Green Day kind of being the highest selling punk band of all time. Like their first album was in 1990, but they produced music like up until fairly recently, right? Yeah. And they're uh, from the San Francisco area. And Offspring, I remember listening to some of that music, you know, kind of like you wanting to be a part of the origins of punk and never really like loving it. The Offspring always reminded me of something more of they are the ones that are like, we don't need to have a job. We're just going to go have fun. <laughs> We're going to play our music. We do what we want. Totally. And while, yeah, while I don't love the offspring, I do love kind of the the genre it brought about, kind of the, like, skate punk, mm. right? Because they were uh, based, for, based out of Orange County. Like, I think they're from Huntington Beach. And so it just really led the way to a whole wave of California-based kind of, like, skate punk bands. Probably the first two bands that I really listened to that were probably really got me started on punk music... Uh, were No Effects and MXPX. So like the first, the earliest albums I kind of would have got into them, would have got into from them or um, like 1992 and 1994. And No Effects kind of had, I think, a lot of changes over the years. And sometimes they wanted to kind of be ska and other times they just wanted to be punk rock and didn't always have a place. But I feel like MXPX consists, like put out really consistent music for like about a decade, right? The big thing about MXPX, first of all, is that they started out as a Christian band. That's what they their first genre was. And I remember I was a lot, my mom was really pretty strict on my music. And yeah. that was the way I could listen to MXPX because they were a Christian rock band. Uh, Christian so different band. from No Effects, hey? Yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I always loved about MXPX is that it was three members and they were, they they never really changed. Like you look at bands now, uh, they they in and out of different people. They're like, oh, we don't get along with the drummer anymore, so we got a new one. But MXPX really, I really respected them because at that time they stuck together for almost ten albums before yeah. any changes really happened. And not just ten albums, but ten albums with like a lot of tracks. Like yes. some of their al- some of their albums would hit into the thirties of tracks. They gave you they gave you the best bang for your buck. They really did. 
And if there is a criticism, it's that a lot of the music sounds really similar. Yeah. But it's maybe a little hard to get away with that when you're producing albums with 30 tracks on them. We'll talk a little bit more about MXPX coming up because that's one of your one of your favorite albums is by them. Um, another one of those early punk bands, and this is probably the one that rivals Green Day, is Blink-182. Their first studio album was in 1995, and not that they really brought it super mainstream that early, but I think for me, Blink-182 is probably the most influential band affecting kind of all of those albums that are we're going to talk about on my top list. And yet again, it was another band that stuck with the main members for a long time. They know they just changed the uh, mark out couple of years ago but still they stuck together for a long long time so that's a, that's also a good thing to see yeah they switched mark for matt yeah like four letter m name for another four letter m name yeah and i think that travis wasn't the original drummer but like he was brought in pretty early he was on. brought in uh pretty early i think it was right after right before they actually made their first album he got brought in he used to be the drummer for the Acro- the acrobats back in the day oh yeah that's the, right the ska band yeah now, he's a talented dude. Oh, it's like Travis. He's a big MMA fan. Like, they'll show him at UFC events all the time. And so it's kind of fun to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Travis. You always forget about him because his style seems more like hip-hop and everything. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a drummer for a punk band. <laughs> totally. Another uh, influential band for me would have been, like, one of the first couple albums I would have bought. Like, actually bought, physically bought the CD for. Uh, it's Goldfinger. And yeah, like again, pretty early along with these other bands like No Effects 1992, MXPX 1994, Blink-182 1995, Goldfinger 1996. Goldfinger, the reason why I think they got the biggest they did at the time is that they were on the Tony Hawk N64 video game. The original Tony Hawk. <laughs> so, original Tony Hawk I, Pro Skater. I love playing the, the levels when Superman came on. It just like, yes, it is the best. <laughs> yeah, and that... Yeah, that and that just furthers this conversation about how it was really like a skateboard kind of based genre, at least like late nineties it kind of especially, was. Especially yeah, especially when we first got into it. Totally. And I would I would say that kind of back in the in the seventies, eighties, it was all about the like the fashion piece of it, like leather and metal spikes and spiky hair and, and all of that. And then by the time you get to that 90s punk that we're talking about yeah that was really synonymous with skate culture at least kind of in in the u.s and now it's the once we got to emo it changed the whole the whole dress that they were wearing at the time it's really interesting to see how much music has changed the fashion too when it comes to the punk music and emo genres totally and it is interesting that you and i were both really into emo i don't know if either of us like dressed especially emo i'm not gonna lie i wore a pair of of girl jeans. Okay. Um, they might have been my mom's. <laughs> I just stole them. They fit me pretty well. I did the black hair for a little while with the, the little daub of blonde. And I looked at myself in the mirror one time like, yeah, I can't pull this off. <laughs> That's funny. I think as emo as I got is like I had like a thick black leather banded watch. But that was also just kind of what was yeah, was generally just, popular. Yeah. yeah. And I think from kind of from there, like... Kind of post Blink One Eighty Two blowing up, or you could even argue kind of post Green Day blowing up. We saw a bunch of different genres that fit under punk, right? So we kind of had the the more traditional punk rock. We had pop punk. We had emo. We had screamo. 
And you could argue that there's more genres than that. There used to be a website I used to go to when I was in high school, and they would tell you all the different genres. And they said it was 175 or something like that. There are so many genres. And then all of them can intermit. Like, you could have pop, punk, screamo. Like, really, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> but... But something that I talked about on the Weezer podcast is like if you go to Wikipedia and you see what genres they tag Weezer as, like a lot of it is like not terribly accurate, at least in my eyes. And that's just totally what genres kind of tend to be. It's whatever someone wants to classify it. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no real genre. (laughs) There's no one that has the time to actually go in. Like, you know what? This is we're going to make official guidelines for this. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a quote from The Office. One of my least favorite characters in The Office, Robert California, he's like, I am so sick of the Black Eyed Peas. It's rock music for people that don't like rock music, and rap music for people that don't like rap music, and pop music for people that don't like pop music. And yeah, it's kind of like, where do you classify the Black Eyed Peas? Exactly. Yeah. So instead of like trying to define all of these specific genres, it seems like you and I are in agreement. We're just kind of a fan of the overarching kind of category. But then, as, as we got older, we kind of saw punk music die a little bit. Like, I remember even in, so this would have been, like, after my mission. So, like, I got home in 2008. Yep. Um, there were still some of my favorite bands producing albums. But I saw one of two things. Either the music was terrible. So a good example is, like, Newfound Glory. They would have been my favorite band when I was, like, 15. They were still producing punk music, but it was bad and really not very popular no or we saw the band kind of evolve into a different a different area of alternative rock so a good example of that would be one of our favorite bands brand new which i think has been able to kind of stay fairly popular but i would no longer classify their current music as as punk music no they have changed almost every album that they have done has been a different album um and also they just have, their followers, their fans that they have are the most diehard fans and will do anything to see their band s- survive. So yeah, we kind of saw one of those two things. I guess one thing that I did see is there was a little bit of female-led vocal groups that were still kind of punk-like, that were still kind of making it. So an example was Paramore, which I didn't, I can't think of any female lead vocalist bands that I was really into kind of in high school but then you have Paramore that's still kind of keeping the genre of punk alive and I don't even know if they would consider themselves punk or not I haven't really even listened to their newer stuff honestly neither have I but I was just thinking kind of back to that 2008-2009 era she her she was definitely the best female punk singer I've ever heard so yeah Haley's got some pipes that's for sure yeah so that kind of it kind of fizzled out, it kind of died, and... And also, it seems like whenever I go on Facebook and people post, like, oh, look at these emo bands that they put up from the things, and they have all these bands that really weren't that emo, and, like, the, so people don't... The generation now doesn't really understand what emo is and what punk is, because also what they think punk is is all this electronica music with a little bit of drums on it. So it's a little... It, punk has definitely changed quite a bit. I agree. And a lot of my favorite bands now kind of never fit well into a specific genre. Um, So Weezer's one of them. They were just kind of alternative rock kind of before alternative rock was even a genre. Another example is The Sounds. 
they're kind of alternative electronica rock, I guess, kind yeah. of. And Shiny Toy Guns is a, kind of would fit into that same category. But none of those are like easily placed into a no. nice little box. No, not at all. So enough about the history. Let's get into our favorite albums. I'm going to call this a top 10 list, but we have more than 10. And yeah. this seems to happen more and more. I keep top 10 just for the consistency of my titles of the podcast. But this podcast is going to have more than 10. And we're actually going to take it by year. So we're going to start back in 1998. Do you want to lead us off with that first album? So 1998 is MXPX Let It Happen. Um, They're from Seattle. They are one of my favorite bands. They're the bands I really got into punk music. They're the ones that got me the first album I ever bought. And they have songs I still listen to today. Um, one song on it was GSF. I was actually listening to it two weeks ago. Lately, since since the, the invention of the MP3 player kind of thing, I've been more of trying to buy vinyls. And this is one of the albums I've been looking super hard for on vinyl so I could have it because I want it again and listen to it over and over again. Uh, so if anyone can find it uh, let me on know. vinyl, you can contact me if you don't know Richard and I will get... I'll put you in touch with Richard. Yeah, it's the first album I was allowed to buy um, because it was Christian rock band and it had 28 songs on it, I think is what it was, and just listened to it over and over again. I had in my portable CD player walking down the street hoping it didn't skip. And <laughs> <laughs> like the old kind things. of holding it with two hands so it like... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love MXPX and... Yeah, I love that album, and I'm trying to think like what year I would have listened to it in, and it was probably 1999 I would have listened to this, so I would have been kind of like one year after the album yeah. debuted. I think mine I listened to, it, had, it was in junior high, I remember that, because I remember walking, that was the one time I walked to school, so it was junior high. Yeah, okay. Uh, next album on the list is Enema of the State by Blink-182. You could argue that this is um, the most influential punk album of all time. It certainly is one of the highest selling albums. Came out in 1999. Kind of the birth of pop punk. And a cool story about Blink-182. So for location, I wrote them down as San Diego. They're actually from a town called Poway, Mm -hmm. which is a suburb of San Diego, which is where I served my mission. And the locals still talk about Blink-182 because it was a local band for them. They, uh... My my college roommates at B- from BYU Idaho are from San Diego, and their their older sisters, both of their older sisters, were really good friends with Blink One Eighty Two. Crazy. So, yeah, they were very into the scene. They wanted to be San Diego. They wanted people to know where they were from. That's a good thing about them. Yeah. So, this is a little. There's not a hundred percent confirmed, but it's at least speculative um, why they're called Blink One Eighty Two. So one of the communities that, you know, borders on Poway is Rancho Bernardo. And so there's Poway High School and Rancho Bernardo High School, and they're kind of rival high schools, right? Um, So back in the time, like early 90s, people used blink as like a curse word, like blink you, man. And so the rumors is that Blink-182 is actually like blink RB, like RB for Rancho Bernardo, so R being the 18th letter in the alphabet and B being the second letter in the alphabet. So it's like... F U. Yeah, basically. Um, so I don't know if that's for sure true, but it at least kind of makes sense. And I can verify that like, there is some rivalry there having you know lived there on my mission. 
I remember one thing I heard, I heard about the name. I thought it was because he swore so many times in a some guy. I think it was El Pacino swore so many times in a movie. It was 180. It was like 182 times. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. Anyways, just kind of a fun little tidbit from my San Diego days. Next album, uh, Saves the Day Through Being Cool. Is this one that you were into? I like Save the Day, and I can't remember this one as as much, but I remember their other albums that they had. Yeah, so the album art it had four the four band members sitting on a couch like at a party. So this was 1999. I think this was maybe their second album. Saves the Day is probably the first emo band I got really into, and it's probably like you kind of said, not the emo type of music that a lot of people would think of nowadays. But it's an album I still enjoy listening to and. I feel like the whole New York area was kind of not just like the origins of emo music, but really where like the emo hotbed was. So there, this is a New Jersey-based band, but we'll see down the list that there's lots from Long Island and New York City and, and all of that. But yeah, I think that this album actually still holds up as a fun album to listen to. So the next album uh, that we have is the New Fan Glory self-entitled one. I know it's on your list, but it's one of my favorite albums too. I remember bringing that, I got that album for a birthday gift, and I brought it home, and my parents looked at it, and on the top, on the front of it, there are nine tiles, yeah. and then one of them has the tiles, and it's just like a pile of condoms. And but mom, they're like unwrapped, and they're all yeah. colored? Yeah, my mom's like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. So, but that that one was a great, great album. Uh, Hit and Miss was on that album. Interesting about New Fan Glory is that about three years ago, they did a, re, a reunion tour. And they came to Edmonton, and I went and saw them. That's awesome. And they're they're just so old now, <laughs> but they they put on a great show, and they got they're really into it. They were walking on the crowd's hands, they but they're still they are going to be punk rockers until they die. <laughs> totally, yeah. Still producing terrible music. That's great. It's so funny that you tell the story about that album cover because I basically had the same experience because I would have bought it in two thousand, right when it came out. So 14 or whatever at the time. I remember someone was like, oh, that's the album with the condoms on it. And I'm like, no, that I don't think it has condoms on it. And then I like went home and like looked at it and like, oh, those are condoms? That's what those are. Because <laughs> like obviously had the condoms been like unrolled and maybe like a more traditional condom color, I would have like or even if it was set off rap- some bells. Rap- if it was still in a wrapper. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny that we had kind of similar stories about that. I find Newfound Glory now, like going back and listening to it, is a little whiny, like just a little irritating. But out of all their albums, this is the one that I'll actually still listen to. Yeah. I will. It's on. A hit and miss is on my high school playlist. Nice. That I have still. I think I have this whole album on my iPhone, but none of the other Newfound Glory ones. All right. Next one on the list is Jimmy Eat World, and this is an interesting one because Jimmy Eat World has a bunch of albums that I really like. And I don't really know if they're really punk or emo. I don't. They I don't know them, where they fit. I think they consider themselves punk rock. Yeah. Like looking back at it now, I still am just kind of like ah, that might they might just be more of an alt rock band. Yeah. But we have it on the list, and the album I picked is Bleed American, two thousand one, arguably their their biggest album. Um, one of the few bands from kind of not Florida, New York area, or California. They're actually uh, from Mesa. And as most people probably remember, um, their hit from that album was The Middle, 
which is funny that the middle blew up to be such a big song because I feel like it's like one of the worst songs on the album. They also had that get it. They had another song that got popular off that album. And I, what's it called? The sweetness. Oh yeah, yeah. The sweetness was big too. And so they they had two good hits off this album, and then they had an, another hit off one of their other albums. But they were considered a one hit wonder. So I don't I don't understand that one. Yeah. But this was definitely one of their greatest albums for me on them. It's the one I I can listen to it over and over again. So the next album uh, is. Tell All Your Friends by Taking Back Sunday. They are, I would say this one is definitely emo band. Yeah. Definitely emo. They're from Long Island. There's a couple great songs. You you wrote down on this one, Great Romance of the 20th Century. Um, the whole album's amazing. The whole album. Yeah. Cute, is what you, Cute Without the E Cut from yep. the Team is my all-time favorite song by Taking Back Sunday. Uh, I, I had a friend named Frank and... We used to be able to sing this whole song, and we would take, both take the two singers' things, and we would get really into it. Almost got in a car accident one time singing it with him in high school. Uh, Jimmy World and Taking Back Sunday, yeah, I feel like each band had a stretch of three albums that are just like totally up there. Like we could, I, I picked Tell All Your Friends because it was the album that really got me into them, but they they produced a lot of good music. The first day I heard about Taking Back Sunday, it was also the same time I heard about Save the Day. So I got, I will always have those bands to intertwined with me. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, now, speaking of intertwined with Taking Back Sunday, this next album is from Brand New. Now, are you team Brand New or are you team Taking Back Sunday? I am team t- uh, Brand New, but I love I love the whole thing, the whole thing about with Taking Back Sunday. Brand new and straight right run the whole the whole little feud that happened and the the two songs that went with each other. Yeah, for so the listeners that don't know about this, uh, brand new and taking back Sunday, um, like Richard just mentioned, they're both from Long Island. So Jesse's girlfriend cheated with the leads the other lead singer of uh, Taking Back Sunday, who's not in the band anymore. He's in a band called Straight Right Straight Right Run, mm-hmm. and. The song by Taking Back Sunday, uh, you know, by uh, Brand New 7 Times 7 is talking about it. And in Taking Back Sunday, there's no I in team is kind of saying sorry about it. Uh, they were they were actually there, on... But tr- there's like multiple lyrics from multiple songs yes. that are taking jabs at each other. Yes, but they were on tour together uh, when both when Brand New's first album came out. It was They opened for Taking Back Sunday. And they did the seven times seven and no I and no I and team together. It's actually on YouTube if you ever want to check it out. It is amazing to watch both of them sing the songs together. That's awesome. So I used to be team Taking Back Sunday, and now I'm team Brand New. And it just happens to be that like from 2001 to 2006, I like Taking Back Sunday more, and then kind of 2000. Eight on, I've liked Brand New more, and that's just kind of how it goes. We actually disagree on the best Brand New album. So why don't I talk about my favorite? You can talk about yours. Uh, my favorite, and the reason why it's slotted here, it came out in 2003. Deja Entendu. So already heard, I guess, translated from French. And this entire album is just amazing. It's the one with the like floating astronaut on the front. Um, this is another one that where I have the entire album on my iPhone, like still. I, I have this album on vinyl, and I love listening to it on it. <laughs> That's sweet. And your favorite album, "The Devil and God Rage Inside of Us." 
Interesting, though, is that Dejan Tantu has my favorite song by Brand New on it. I will play the games beneath the spinning lights. It's my all-time favorite brand new song. Actually, it's my all-time favorite song in general. Okay. But I like the album, the full album on The Devil and God, Rage Inside of Us, a lot more. Okay. And that one came out in 2006, so it actually, like, caps off as our latest album. Like, all of our albums fit between 98 and 2006. So we'll, we'll jump back, but we can finish talking about The Devil and God first. I am a big brand new fan. I, I watch interviews about them all the time. One of my favorite hobbies is watching them live on YouTube. I'll just like stream my phone to my Apple TV and watch them. And so one of the interviews, they were talking about this album and they asked them, so does this, this album is kind of a little bit darker and for you guys? And they're like, well, at first we wanted to start it off as our, our, our tribute to our family and friends and God. And at the same time, we actually start, started losing faith in that and our family and friends and God in it. But then they also put Jesus, the song Jesus in it because they had an experience with a friend's family member uh, who their, their daughter died. And they, they, you know, they wanted to feel that something was going to happen good in the long run. In the long run. That's, that's why they wrote the song Jesus. And uh, the song Limousine is actually about their, the, their friend whose daughter died and how it's going to be a hard the limousine ride to the, bury the daughter. So it's a very emotional album that they put out. Cool. I also really like this album. I just like the other one more. Another album that we're like unanimous on um, is Yellow Card Ocean Avenue. And in talking to my wife before the podcast, she was just like, my favorite band of the genre is Yellow Card, so make sure you get them in there. But I was going to include them anyways. Uh, I actually got to see them live a couple of times. They're the band I've probably seen live the most. The most, yeah. They, there was that one, when we were in high school, they came to Edmonton every October for three yeah, years. Like, yeah, a whole bunch. They're an interesting genre, because they're definitely pop punk, but they do have a violinist, and so they have a very unique sound. Like, you could have just heard a couple of their songs and hear something from an entirely different album and be able to identify it as Yellow Card. And that's, that's always kind of fun. Um, Ocean Avenue... It's funny, it seems like in every beach town in the U.S. there's an avenue called Ocean Avenue, so like everyone that listens to that song can like relate to it because they've seen an Ocean Avenue or whatever. And it's almost like, oh, that's like they're singing about like where I've been when most likely they're singing about somewhere in Florida because they're from Jacksonville. So the next one is another one that we both agreed on is In Love and Death by the Used. They're they're screamo and they're from orem utah one of the few from basically in the middle of yeah. the country not that many. <laughs> totally i like the song that you put on there it's take it away it's their first song on the album i believe it starts just starts the album great yeah i i love this entire album uh, which is why i picked it over maybe a different album of the used uh, i've also seen the used live and while i really enjoy the used music with i would like to state that like i don't agree with any of the views of the band they're crazy they're they are weird now <laughs> yeah they're they're weirdos but really great music and this this is the album with the black and white sketch tree with like the heart hanging on it which is just such like emo screamo imagery but yeah really good album 2004 which was really a really good stretch if we look at um of any year 2004 has the most albums of it so all right so the next one is another one off my list is a. Uh, Ivan, I can't pronounce it right Dahl. now. Ivan Dahl uh, kills the locals by the matches. 
Uh, they're from San Francisco. Uh, the reason, the way I actually found them is they opened up for Yellow Card. And I saw them live, and I was like, wow. They were the weirdest looking band I've ever seen. <laughs> their, their lead singer had long hair on one side, a faux hawk in the middle, and completely shaved on the side. And I was like, what's more pop punk than that? Seriously. This is the one band out of all of these, like, inc- like obviously, definitely not one of mine, but, like, for your whole list, this is the only band that I, I wasn't really into. I've certainly heard them, but, yeah, every other band that you placed an album on, I've listened to a ton. Yeah, this one is, uh, I still listen to it now and again. My wife got me the vinyl for uh, Christmas, so I, lo- I love it. That's awesome. We have our second of two Screamo bands up next. The band is Under Oath, and the album is They're Only Chasing Safety. This is a funny one because I almost put it on my list, and I was like, nah, I'll, I'll leave that one off. And then when we looked at your list, you would put it on. I was like, okay, yeah, let's definitely have it. Um, it's a little bit of a creepy album, maybe a little bit. Like, even just from looking at the album art, it's like a a really glossy-eyed woman wearing, like, an oxygen mask. Uh, but... I love the whole album, and I feel like most of Under Oath's other albums are maybe a little bit hard for me, but this one's like just right. This is their biggest album they had because it was more. It was a, it was a screamo, but they also had a lot of singing still on it, so it made a happy medium of all, both of them. They're also inter- a Christian band, yeah. They, so they scream about Jesus. <laughs> And I always, I always thought that was kind of funny because you never really heard of screamo Christian bands there. And also, I just really like the title of our, of the song we both picked on it was uh, "It's Dangerous Business Walking Out Your Front Door." Yeah, such a good song. And the, so the next album is one I picked was uh, "Let It Unfold You" by Senses Fails. They were uh, we were we were trying to figure out what kind of genre they were. According to Wikipedia, they were post hardcore, but. Really, that just means emo screamo, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it's totally. emo screamo. Another band from New Jersey. Totally. Uh, the song I I, I I liked off that one is uh, Lady in the Blue Dress. Uh, did you listen to them that much? Yeah, yeah. I like Census Fail. I actually saw them live as well. Yeah, great band. Just didn't make my list. Yeah, I saw them. I'm at, fine with this pick. I saw them at Warp Tour. That's the time I saw them. So it wasn't a full set. Was it Warp Tour in Calgary? Yeah. Yeah, that may have been where I saw them. <laughs> okay, we move out of the 2004s into the 2005s. Uh, this could very well be my favorite album of all of these albums on this entire list, uh, based on a true story by The Starting Line. Um, I've just always been really into The Starting Line, and I have seen them live. Um, they opened for, were you at the Yellow Card? Yeah, they opened for Yellow Card. The matches were the first opening band that one. Yes, yeah, so I would have yeah. seen the matches live. Yeah. yeah. Um, Surprise Surprise was their biggest single off this one, but yeah, just a really solid, really solid album. The I've always liked Yellow, I mean, Starting Line. Starting Line has actually been one of my all-time favorite bands growing up. They have a lot of good singles off all their albums. He, the lead singer is actually in a new band called Vacationer, and it's like hipster punk. Is it any good? Uh, my, I like it. Okay. I uh, started listening it to it, and my wife, she loves it now. So He she's... dropped out of high school when he was like 15 to tour with Starting Line. Yep. Yeah. So I'm happy to see that he's doing good still. Okay, so we mentioned this a little bit earlier. This is the one woman vocalist 
band that makes the list. In fact, I think it's the only band out of all of these that actually has a female as a band member. Uh, Paramore, All We Know Is Falling. So um, I really like their early stuff. This was their first album, 2005. Uh, they're from like Franklin, Tennessee. Um, kind of a little bit of a throwback band in that they're a three-piece band, which almost none of these were. I, only one I can think of was MXPX and Blink-182, which were the earliest two bands kind of on the list. And um, yeah, Haley can just sing amazingly. And it. Um, I don't even know if, like I put it down as pop punk, but like it had songs on like the soundtrack for uh, Twilight, right? Like it, yeah. it was fairly mainstream music, but... This was kind of in the, the twilight years of, of punk, I think. I think one of the things with Paramore is the reason why they were popular was because of Haley. Because, first of all, you do, and like you said, there's not that many women, even just in bands, in these bands. And you had one as the he, the front man, front woman. Front woman, woman. yeah. And so like everyone listened to them, and, and all the women that were into pop punk were like really relating to her. Cool. And then the next one is... Uh, from Under the Cork Tree by Fall Boy. That one got really popular when the year we graduated, 2005. They're from Chicago. They That was also the time where Fall Boy actually started getting punk on the radio, really, for a long time. Because they had three or f- two or three uh, songs that actually made the radio from this album. Yeah, it was like there, there was like Blink-182 that was kind of mainstream radio, a little bit of Jimmy Eat World, but like not really a lot until... Fall Boy. I guess like there was some good Charlotte, but really not not that much on our list really made it to the radio. Correct. Yeah, and around that same time, there's like Panic at the Disco was on the radio. Again, I don't really know if that classifies as punk or not. The, In their early days, probably, but yeah. currently, definitely not. So the album, the song that we really picked from there was Sugar uh, Go, Going Down. Um, I like that song. I like Dance Dance. Overall, like every song on this was just a good listen to. Yeah, and like super pop punk, like some people that are maybe more hardcore into punk may have been like, oh, that's like too soft for me, but it's a, it's a fun album. It's a fun, it's a catchy album. That's yeah. the great thing about this one. And that actually wraps up our list. If you had to pick your very favorite album off of this list, which one would you have picked? Devil and God, Dream Inside of Us, but Pat- no. Um, I think I already mentioned I'd probably pick Based on a True Story. Uh, if I had to kind of go top three, I'd probably go Based on a True Story 1, Bleed American by Jimmy World 2, and Deja Entendu 3. That's going to be mine. I would for I would probably do From Under the Cork Tree, so that's my second one. Okay. And then The Matches for the third one. Okay. You do own the vinyl, so... <laughs> uh, I, my, I lucked out and got the vinyl of every brand new album too so oh all of them hey? i have them all now cool they had the last concert when they were here in the summer i was able to buy uh your favorite weapon the one i've been looking for forever they're selling cool. it there and i was so excited i remember being so excited when dejan Tadu came out because i loved your favorite weapon so uh, I was yeah, Deja to do like blew my mind. I remember when the devil and God raged inside of us. I was so sad because I was on my mission and I wasn't able. To oh, you weren't able to listen to. It. Yeah, I, I would have been on my mission as well. Oh, yeah, and that's yeah, that's true. Man, this was fun. Just to, like stroll back into junior high and high school and think of all this old music. Well, I hope one day 
this music that we loved when we were teenagers, I hope it like resurfaces and becomes popular at some point. I just think that would be so amazing if like kids start listening to it as, as throwback music. Anyways, thanks for listening to the podcast. Richard, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you next time. The music in this podcast is Be Electric by Rocket Max. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Nerd Jock the Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, iTunes, or Google Play, always at Nerd Jock the Podcast.